Hey everyone, it's Friday of a short week. Today we are doing a solo episode. I have some guests lined up for future episodes, which I will talk about at the end of the episode, so you know what to look forward to. But I thought it might be nice to look at the current temp of society. There's so much news lately that I thought it would be a good idea to discuss a few of the news stories and offer a sustainability consultant's perspective on what you can do to live your truth for the planet. Now, ideally, I would love to talk news with guests, but as you know, the interviews just get so long. They have so much content uh, that we really just never get to the stories. So um, thought that this might be a good alternative to kind of break down some of the stories of the day. So let's get started. First, though, I want to get one big news story out of the way, and that's the DNC's climate change debate on CNN that was this past week on Wednesday. Talking politics is tough. It's not something I really want to do right now because I don't want to have a one-sided conversation about it. I'm not trying to preach on who to vote for. Personally, I've been watching the debates. I read articles. I follow some of the candidates on social media. I sat next to Joe's granddaughter in class for a semester. And I'd like to say I'm an informed citizen, but I'm still stuck between candidates and a lot can happen between now and November. But I want to say one thing that's really, really important. What we saw in the last election is that people like to cherry pick their issues oh, I like this one policy, so therefore I'm going to vote for this person. That's not really how you vote for a president. That's like shopping by ingredient and not eating the whole cookie. Like you're not going to eat flour. You're going to eat the cookie. Unless you're gluten-free, then that's like a different story. But what I'm trying to say is don't take this election for granted, right? Review the candidates, spend some time on it to do some research and have conversations with friends and family maybe go to a meeting. You know, it's crazy. People will say, oh, I don't have time to think about it. It's stressful, blah, blah, blah. But let's be really honest with each other. You're going to spend way more time complaining about the new president on Facebook if you don't really get involved and you're going to complain about them at brunch. So, you know, save yourself the negative energy and just do the research now. So, Anyway, moving on, uh, my first real piece of news was sent to me, actually, by a sweet green aficionado who was really devastated to find out that their compostable bowls are essentially toxic. So sweet green isn't the only one to use them. Dig in, Chipotle, and a bunch of other big fast casual restaurants use them, Whole Foods. Uh, so essentially, according to experts, all of these molded fiber bowls contain PFAS, or per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, which is a broad class of more than 4,000 fluorinated compounds that do not biodegrade naturally in the environment. And it's wild because scientists have like a nickname for this chemical. They literally call them forever chemicals. So this means that these bowls are making the compost more toxic by putting these chemicals into the soil and water when they're composted. So how does this happen, right? I know you're about to post this on your Facebook page with that exact question. Let me tell you how this happens. So the manufacturer had this great idea 
and had a lot of different teams to create this product, right? And somehow it really wasn't communicated to them that this chemical kind of negates the whole compost thing, which is how they're marketing the product. So there's this disconnect there between these teams. We have more problems. Hang on. So some guy named Brad in sales somewhere sold dig in on the compostable bowl and didn't have a little chat with supply chain or the manufacturer or probably really anyone about the materials listed in the product. Ultimately, this is actually a huge problem for dig in and sweet green that are trying to brand themselves as healthy and green. And this impacts the sustainability reporting and the goals of these companies that fell prey to Brad's charms. Shameless plug, this is why sustainability consulting and teams are so important because they bridge the gap between these departments when everyone's trying to cut corners to look good without doing the research, you know? So before you all completely panic, I'm going to give you some great news. Most people don't compost these things. So I've actually done uh, sociological behavior studies at Sweet Greens all over New York City on my own for a completely different project that I was working on and have found that most of the time people eating at Sweet Green treat compost like trash and vice versa. There's a lot of reasons for this. This could be because most of the time signage is really terrible. A lot of these companies kind of fast their way through their sustainability commitment Um, people are in a rush, they're not paying attention, there's so many different laws and rules around recycling, no one really knows what exactly is recyclable, what's compostable, and what the differences are. That's a whole separate conversation for another day. But the point is, is the majority of people going to these places bring their salads home or to work where they throw them out. They don't get composted. So don't worry. about that. Now, the author of this article decided to do a whole study and sent samples to a lab of different locations, bowls, and packaging to see who was the worst. And here's some more decent news. Sweetgreen was actually the least offensive of all eight offenders that they studied. The worst offenders were actually Diggin and Chipotle. And honestly, that doesn't surprise me. Because Dig already overcharges you for a bowl of straight starchy vegetables, carbs, and passes it off as healthy. So the writing really was on the wall here, if you, if, if you know what I'm talking about. I digress. It's important to know that compostable products really make up less than 1% of all food service products, which makes up less than 1% of all applications that this chemical, PFAS, or these forever chemicals, are really used on. They're mostly used in carpets, couches, and outdoor gear. Now, that doesn't mean you should just like go throw out your carpet and your couch and outdoor gear. There's reasons for this beyond the, just talking about flammability. And uh, I know Patagonia has uses a different kind of coating on their products. So they're not using PFAS. Um, you can go into that in another day. But all of this means that the industries that we know are getting called out for using bad ingredients. And it's up to us as consumers to make sure we're thinking about what we buy a little bit more. Bring your own container. There's great stainless steel bowls with lids from Life Without Plastic. Uh, I can put them on my website that you can get. 
um, that they're accepted by most food places due to the material. Most places don't always accept plastic containers. So this leads me to my second story, and it's news from earlier this summer or late spring. So it's still recent, but I think it's part of a bigger conversation that's important. So California, being the progressive and badass state that it is, has decided to cancel excuses for restaurants who won't let you bring in your plastic containers for leftovers um, or for beverages. So let me say that again differently. California wants to make it easier for restaurants to tell you yes to bringing your own containers to places like Sweetgreen. So why were restaurants saying no in the first place? Well, it was all because health codes uh, fears around cross-contamination. These restaurants don't really know when the last time you washed your cup or container was. So therefore, California decided to write a policy for what to do when someone brings their own container so there, you know, there aren't any questions, the restaurant can treat your reusable container in a specific way to reduce contamination or, or any of that. So according to this article on Tree Hugger, this is really one strategy to get to a circular economy, which is around adjusting our consumption culture. Biodegradable and compostable containers are really not a great option. They still represent resources being thrown away, and reusable containers that require only soap and water to wash between innumerable uses, that's a fine example of one, designing out waste and pollution, and two, keeping materials in use for a prolonged period of time, two of the basic principles of the circular economy. So most of the time, bringing your own cup isn't really a big deal. But sometimes it is. I know I've gone to coffee shops with my reusable cup only to have them make the coffee in a plastic cup and completely ignore my request or tell me flat out they won't use it due to their uh, safety, health and safety policy. It's rare, but it happens. But I've always felt annoyed that I'm being forced to consume plastic I don't want. Not to mention I'm almost getting punished for trying to reduce my consumption while I'm saving this business money. Maybe next time I'll just tell them I'm allergic to plastic. Can anyone really argue with that? But BYO, bring your own, is something that seems so great for businesses. They use less inventory, they have to order less in general, then they spend less money, and they pay less for their trash fees because, There's less cups in there, and they can focus on their actual product. It's a bit offensive that at Starbucks, you only save 10 cents per cup when you bring your own because you're saving a cup, a cover, and a coffee sleeve. Think about how much product that is. That's a ton of space, especially if you get a venti. You really should save 10%, and there are some places that do that. I've even seen 20% off your, your beverage by using your own cup. But I would like to build an entire campaign around BYOC, bring your own cup or container. Companies should reward consumers who are thinking about the environment. It would align with their sustainability strategies and show they're genuinely invested in finding a better solution to climate change. 
or even seeing companies like Loop work with Haagen-Dazs, Clorox Wipes, Hellman's Mayo, and a bunch of other brands who will be making their products in aluminum and glass containers and want you to give them back to Loop so they can clean them and reuse them again. It's like the modern milkman. Why we ever left that business model is really beyond me. So when there are all these solutions to consuming food, it really kills me when companies drag their feet. Now, I love Dunkin' Coffee, but they haven't even gotten rid of styrofoam yet, not until the end of 2019. Styrofoam is already banned in several cities and states. Like, been there, done that. So if you're going to go to Dunkin', I'm going to judge you for taking that styrofoam cup because that shit doesn't decompose ever. It's like industrial strength plastic for a 10-minute caffeine chug. Okay, so what does this mean, though? California has always been the trailblazer for these types of policies. It started with plastic bags and incentives for EVs, and then it was jewels, and now it's the green light to BYOC. This means that you might see this trend start to pop up in other progressive cities, looking at you, Seattle and Boulder, and of course, New York City. I personally recommend getting a corksicle or a hydro flask or really using one of your own cups that you have sitting around. Even a mason jar is a great solution. How cool is that? How, how Brooklyn of you to bring your mason jar to a coffee shop? Lead by example. And when you bring yours in, other people around you see that and you remind them, oh yeah, I have a cup I could use too. Maybe you just inspired them to bring their own next time. You're kind of paying it forward to the planet. You know, the more people see it, the more likely they will do it too. And it only benefits pretty much everybody. So I will put items I recommend on my website if you want. Um, I was also asked recently to recommend some cleaning products. So I'm thinking of just making an Amazon store of recommendations and you can uh, shop there. But to be clear, I'm all for converting to a greener lifestyle, but you can definitely use what you have first before buying something new. Get creative. There's lots of articles online about DIYs or different ways of making your own cleaning products, things like that. Check those out first before, before you buy something. Now, it was a quick episode for today because I just wanted to give like a little shot of news to get you for the weekend. Um, but I am really excited for some upcoming podcasts. I'm going to be talking to an expert on anxiety and really under, uncovering what climate anxiety is and how we can overcome it. Whether you're someone who's fearful of climate change or whether you're an environmental educator who talks about climate change, uh, both sides of the conversation experience stress around uh, talking about it and 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 what it means and, and how we can have more connecting conversations. Uh, I'm also excited about having someone from the beauty industry come on talking about green and clean beauty uh, as well as the green building industry. So those are all on the rise. And we're also going to have um, working with a few students on some of the projects that they are implementing on their campuses. So all really cool things. Definitely subscribe to the channel. And, and also, if you know someone who is doing something cool, DM me at May Climate Cool on Instagram and I'll check it out. I'll, uh, we'll have a conversation and see if they're interested in being on the podcast. That's it from me. Thanks for listening today. I hope you all have a great weekend. Stay golden.